year 445 BC, Nehemiah was in exile, serving as a cupbearer to the king of Persia. He was visited by some fellow Jews from Judah. Nehemiah questioned them about the conditions of the Jewish remnant and of Jerusalem. Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah worshipped, confessed sin, recounted God's promises, and asked the Lord for success with the Persian king. In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Nehemiah also asked for letters of support, for safe conduct and timber for rebuilding, concluding that because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. Welcome to part one of this new series on living on purpose. I don't know about you, but as I reflect on the season we're in right now, in many ways it's better than a couple of months ago for sure. You know, great to be able to travel around, see family and friends, get proper haircuts, get ready to watch Champions League football. Come on, City! Uh, and more seriously, of course, and more importantly, you know, we've seen a great drop in the number of infections and deaths compared to, say, mid-April. But on the other hand, it is also still a very challenging season. You know, we get um, local lockdowns or travel disruptions or um, news about a possible second spike, economic uncertainty, the fact that we can't still gather in worship and fellowship um, as a church as we would like. All of that kind of, I believe, can produce, and I've certainly battled with, a sense of weariness. You know, when is this season going to end? One of the things that's kept me going, as well as knowing God's incredible love and presence, is this deep sense that I am called to live on purpose, that I have one life and I have a God-given assignment and by God's grace, I can fulfill his purpose 
for my life. And I'm really excited about this um, series because my prayer for every single one of you is that you will um, freshly uh, discover and sense God's purpose for your life. And by his grace, that will keep you strong and motivated and keep you free from fear and weariness and discouragement um, as, as we look ahead together. And to help us in this series, we're going to be looking at a great Old Testament character, a guy called Nehemiah. Um, you know, in a, in a culture where names meant a lot more than they do in our Western world today, uh, the, the name Nehemiah means the Lord comforts. I love that, the Lord comforts. So right in the very foundation of his name is something about his destiny, his purpose. You know, he's a great example of somebody who who found out and fulfilled God's purpose in his life. He brought comfort and restoration in a time of great crisis and devastation. I believe it's an inspiration for all of us to sort of look beyond ourselves and to live beyond ourselves and by God's help and by God's spirit to bring comfort and restoration to other people around us, um, even in this time of great crisis. So what I want to do in this first um, session is to look at four principles of how to live on purpose. Four principles of how to live on purpose. First one is this, be faithful in your present moment. Why is that so important? Because I believe there can be a tendency for us to almost like put off living on purpose or, or, or doing what God calls us to into some kind of ideal time in the future. You know, when everything changes, when I, you know, when the virus ends, when I get the right, my perfect job, when situations change. No, I believe God's called every single one of us, you and me, to know that we're to live every day in the light of God's purpose, to be faithful where we are right now in our current situation. And this was something that Nehemiah um, practiced wonderfully. You see, he was somebody, as we've just heard in our reading, who was a Jew living in exile. So he's a foreigner um, serving in the court of the king of Persia. Yet in this less than ideal situation, it was a very challenging time for the people of God. They, they were exiles. Nonetheless, um, Nehemiah lived faithfully God's purpose for his life. How do we know that? Well, we know that because of the job that he'd been given. He was called uh, to be the cupbearer to the king. You say, what's significant about that? Well, the cupbearer was actually a really important position. And I think it's quite significant that here he is. He's a foreigner and exile. He's been given a really trusted position. The cupbearer's job was to select and serve the wine. It was also to taste the wine to make sure that there was no poison there. Not sure I'd have signed up readily for that job. But also the cupbearer was somebody who was to be a confidant to the king. He was somebody who had the king's ear. And so for the king of Persia to have given this foreigner, this exile, such a trusted and influential position, as it were, right by his side, there must have been something about Nehemiah's character that the king said, there's the, an integrity, there's a diligence, there's a likability about this person. I want to appoint him to this position of influence. And so, if you like, Nehemiah fulfilled God's purpose in his present moment. And there's so much that we can learn, of course, from his example in that. <clears throat> you know, you may right now be very aware you're not in an ideal situation. You know, either work or not in work, in your family or in community. And, and there's challenges all around you. 
Yeah, we are in a challenging time. Let's not put off serving God to the future. Let's not wait for things to change, but let's be kingdom ambassadors. And as we do, as we serve God in, if you like, the world, as, as we honour him, not only will it give us a sense of motivation to get up and go every day, a sense of focus and clarity, you know, a reason to get out of bed and get going, uh, but also we will um, honour God. It will be a platform to be a witness for him. Um, we may get promoted in this life. We'll get eternal rewards in the next life. But also, as we're faithful right now where we are, even in tough situations, I believe we position ourselves Number two, to tune into or to get in tune with God's priorities. Faithful with little, he may be put in, in charge of much more. You see, the fact is that as well as being diligent where we are, you and I need to realize and be reminded that each of us are called to live for something greater than ourselves. What is that something greater? Well, if you look at the, if you like, the macro, big picture of the Bible, God's great plan is this. It's, it's found in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we are all called to play our part in seeing God's glorious rule and reign of justice and righteousness and peace and joy established on the earth um, in the in-between time between Jesus' first and second coming. That's the big picture. You know, there are grand purposes that you and I are to be involved in and to play our part in. And I believe rather than um, being inactive or passive in a time like this with so much crisis, there's, there's never a better time to take the opportunity to see God's kingdom come and to help other people. And this is what Nehemiah does. You see, here he is. He's faithfully carrying out his job as a cupbearer. When people come from his homeland in Judah... And he asks them, he takes the initiative about the state of Jerusalem and um, how the people of God, the Jewish people, the, the remnant, are doing. And he hears the, 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 the news about you know, how the people are in great trouble and disgrace, how the walls have been broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. I love the fact that Nehemiah isn't content just to do his work, his fairly privileged job, just to live in his comfort. No, he's burdened by God's priorities. He's burdened by the state of God's people, God's city, God's glory. And when him, he hears that the news of this great devastation, listen to his response. It says in, in verse 4 of chapter 1, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. What's going on here? I believe at this moment, Nehemiah is not just burdened by human concern, nothing wrong with that, but I believe he's in some way, and by the Spirit of God, he's getting in touch with God's deeper purpose for his life, which went beyond just being a cupbearer to the king of Persia, as important as that was. And I believe this story of Nehemiah is very, very timely and apt for us right now. You see, in the situation we're living in today, we could say, metaphorically speaking, the walls have come down all around us. You know, even pre-COVID, you know, the, 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 there was devastation. If we look in spiritually and morally, the wars over decades have been crumbling all around us in the Western world. If we look globally, you know, there's wars down, but poverty, um, all kinds of tragedy and suffering all across the world. And then, you know, you add in a pandemic 
And we could say, you know, there is devastation, the walls are down, health challenges, economic uncertainties, disruption to daily life. And I believe it's so important that we respond right in a time like this. We can either get depressed about it, resigned, somehow bury our heads in the sand and just get on with our own life, just get into a kind of survival mode. Or we can get in tune with God's priority and recognize that right in the midst of the difficulty and the challenge is an opportunity like maybe never before to make a difference and to see God's purpose fulfilled in our lives in order to help many other people. I don't know about you, but you know, many times um, over my life, I've, I've experienced some of what Nehemiah experienced, being moved by things that sense of purpose, a sense of the call of God. I, for me, it really started right back when I first became a Christian. I remember moments after giving my life to the Lord, suddenly, as well as a sense of peace, was this sense of, I know I'm called to live on purpose. I didn't know what it looked like. I just had this deep sense that I'm called to live on purpose. And then throughout my Christian life, I had many times where God has spoken to me and and opened up his heart to me and I've sensed his passion for people far from God or people sick or suffering or experiencing injustice. So let me ask you a question. What is it that maybe God is calling you to get involved in beyond your current situation? You know, maybe like Nehemiah, there are things that when you think about them, they move you deeply. Maybe like me, um, the, the thought of where are this country is at spiritually and are a longing to see God move in revival power and, you know, see multitudes coming to know Jesus like, like we know him and see their lives transformed. Maybe that moves you. Maybe closer to home, there are people around you, maybe the family, friends, work colleagues, neighbours, people in your community, and you long for them to come and know God. Maybe you're burdened by more kind of sort of issues of poverty and injustice, you know, Globally, locally, maybe you're burdened by, you know, the, the, the awful evil of racism or things like human trafficking or, you know, you're concerned about the state of the planet and climate change. Can I say those things are good concerns? They're, they're godly concerns. And it may be that this sense of deeply being moved as you think about these things is God's way of almost like uh, just just getting your attention, say, this is part of what I want you to get involved with. And, you know, don't be intimidated by the scale of the, the thing. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we're called to work together. Maybe for you right now, there's concerns about the church and, you, you know, you, you, you just long to see us come back together and to serve God's people. Maybe there's people around you and you're called to care for them, the hurting, the sick, the lonely, whatever it is, um, learn to tune in to God's priorities. But the question is, how do we know what we're called to? How do we know that what we're sensing isn't just our own emotions or the latest thing on Twitter or on the news? How do we actually know that God is calling us to do that particular thing or get involved in this particular area? Well, that takes to my, my third point, which is this. I believe it's important that we thirdly Shape our purpose through prayer. This is the third point. Shape your purpose through prayer. You see, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. We actually see nine recorded prayers in the book of Nehemiah, nine times that he prayed. That tells me that he was a man of prayer. He's not just somebody who prays on this occasion. He prays all through his life. And so it's no surprise that 
Um, the gut response to him hearing the news of the wars coming down was to pray. Chapter 1, verse 4, it says, For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Notice first the phrase, for some days. In other words, he's not just praying a little arrow prayer. There's a time and a place for that. We'll see in a moment. But he's actually burdened by prayer. Why, fa- why, why, is, it, why, why is he fasting here? He's fasting because he's humbling himself before God. And he's turning to God as the source of the burden and the, the source of the purpose. I believe it's important that as we look at Nehemiah's life and his prayer, we learn some things. I haven't got time to unpack in detail, but if you want to check out in your own time, it's a wonderful prayer in, in Nehemiah chapter 1. Firstly, notice where he starts. He starts by exalting God in worship. That's always our place to start. Not pray about the job or the task or the project. Start by focusing God. Lift your gaze. Then he confesses the sins of, his peop- of, of the people. Then he reminds God about... Um, his promises in the word of God. Nehemiah was a man of the word. We can learn from his example. And then finally, he prays for success and favor on his endeavors. Can I say it's so important that before we act, we pray. You see, if you look carefully at the text, there's actually a four-month gap between when Nehemiah first hears the news about the devastation of the city and the people of God and when he goes before the king and asks if he can get involved. So, so why four months? Because something is going on in that, that, in that period. He's praying, he's planning, but God is doing a deeper work. And that's the first reason why I believe it's important that we pray before we act. Because God changes us. I, I've, I've learned the hard way that um, stepping out before praying rarely produces good, good, good results. I remember particularly as a young adult, you know, as a young leader, you know, I would often get a vision or a burden from God and think I had to tell people immediately and expected things to happen overnight. And occasionally, by God's grace, things turned out well. But many times, um, you know, I, I'd hit a brick wall and, I, I, and, and God was trying to get my attention, say, Dave, I want to do a deep work in you. I want you to take time. I don't want you to step out in patience, in your own energy and strength. I want you to yield yourself to me. You see, I believe it's important that we recognize who we are and who we're becoming is more important to God than even what we're called to do and what we're doing. And so I learned that God wanted to do a shaping work in me, and I'm still learning that today. And I want to encourage you, don't just step out prematurely. Don't just step out in, if you like, your zeal because you may do harm and damage. You may not be ready for what God's called you to. That's the first reason, like Nehemiah, we need to pray. Because in that waiting time, for Nehemiah, it was four months. For you, it may be more, it may be less. God does a deeper work in us. But secondly, as we pray, God changes circumstances around us. You see, if God is God and he's all-powerful and he's all-loving, I would say it is imperative that we humble ourselves before God and we recognize no real success is going to happen. No eternal fruit and change and, and, and favour is going to happen unless we turn to God in prayer. And so can I say, your time in prayer is never wasted. And Nehemiah obviously knew that. As he's spending these days, this time, these months in prayer, he's turning to God. And one of the things that he prays for, in fact, we see it captured at the end of this prayer, is this. He says, give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. Wow, I love that. 
He's praying for success from the Lord and favour before the king. That's a great pattern for us to pray. And I, even during this lockdown season, I've been involved in certain things and I found myself praying, Lord, you open the doors. You bring success. I need your hand and your anointing. And so I want to encourage you to do the same. Whatever you feel God's called you to do, little or big, now or in the future, learn to pray and expect him to change you and change circumstances. So that, that's the third thing. We need to shape our purpose through prayer. But we're not to forever wait. Patience is good, but there is also a time to act. Hence, the fourth principle is this. Act with boldness and humility. You see, history isn't changed, hasn't been changed and won't be by people who procrastinate. I believe history is changed by people who, who live in, in what we shared a few weeks ago in a, in a state or a posture of peaceful proactivity. Yes, we need to be peaceful. Yes, we need to be patient. Yes, we need to be prayerful. But I believe we also need to be front foot people. There's a time to wait and there's a time to act. And Nehemiah seems to have known when to wait and when to act. Firstly, notice that when he acts, when he goes before the king, he does so with boldness. He takes a huge risk, actually. Um, he, he allows himself uh, this on this particular occasion to show his emotions and his sadness. Why was that risky? Because as the cupbearer, he was supposed to be jovial in the king's presence. You weren't supposed to be sad in the presence of the king. So he takes a great risk and it's quite clear that um, he's almost like trembling and afraid. He's having to almost like battle fear. He says, I was very much afraid. Why? Because the king could, you know, not just sack him, but kill him. You know, you weren't supposed to do that. But Nehemiah took a risk. I love that. You know, we often talk about how we need to be free from fear, and we do. But sometimes we have to do things feeling afraid. Can I encourage you, whatever God's called you to do right now, don't let fear stop you. Go before God and step out in boldness. And then um, when he goes before the king, he's obviously thought about what he's going to say. He asked for letters of support. He asked for timber for the rebuilding of the city. He goes with boldness. But secondly, he approaches the king with humility. This is so important. You see, sometimes if we haven't allowed the Lord to do his work in us, you know, we can feel very passionate about things. But if we don't allow the Lord to, to hone us and to refine us, our motives and our emotions, sometimes we might come across sort of arrogant or aggressive. But Nehemiah doesn't, doesn't do that. He comes, he respects the fact that the king is the king. He respects the authority. He comes boldly, but he also com comes hum humbly. And then, of course, finally, his humility is expressed in his ongoing dependence on God. I love what it says in um, verse 4 and 5 of chapter 2. Um, before he goes to the king, and uh, before he answers the king, it says, he says this, I prayed to the God of heaven. We might say he prayed first to the God of heaven. Then he says, and I'm, I'm adding in, I answered the king. Then I answer the king. He prayed and he acted. He prayed and he answers. So here he is. He's still in this mindset of he is dependent on God for success. And hence the conclusion or Nehemiah's summary of, the, of this whole um, interaction was this. And because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted my requests. So can I say it's the same for us too? Yes, 
We need to pray. We need to wait. We need to get the heart of God. We need to stay faithful in our current situation. But sometimes God calls us to step out and act. Can I encourage you? Don't just get passive in this season. Don't bury your head in the sand, but actually obey the promptings of God's spirit. Sometimes they may be simple little things like, you know, send a text, encourage someone with a phone call or an email, um, step out and bless a neighbour, little, little acts, maybe may, may bigger things. Don't forever wait, don't procrastinate, don't put off action, set things in motion, knowing that as you've prayerfully waited before God, you're stepping in, if you like, in a dynamic partnership, knowing that God has anointed you, God's gone before you, and God is going to open doors before you. So before we uh, pray and uh, respond, I want to just share something really practical that's helped me to live on purpose. And it's the fact that a number of years ago, about seven years ago, um, I actually uh, wrote down and carefully crafted um, a life purpose statement. And what that statement does, it's something I've written down, I, I, I memorize it, and I often go back to it, is as I keep going back to what I sense God has called me to, it encourages me, it strengthens me, it helps me know what to say yes to, what to say no to. So what I'm going to do, I just want to read out my life purpose statement. Yours will be different, but I just want to give it as an example um, of just how this has kept me on track. So let me read this to you. As a beloved son, I exist to enjoy God and please him in every way, celebrating life and love, especially with Karen and my family. As a visionary leader and teacher resourcer, I break through to help grow healthy disciples and churches founded on the word and filled with the spirit, transforming lives and communities. Now, your purpose is different to mine, but I believe there are some similarities that, you know, for example, you'll notice there I talk about my identity, my walk with God, my relationships, my passions, my gifts, my values, and my life legacy. So what I want to encourage you to do, why not use this summer season, this season where we're looking at the whole theme of purpose, to prayerfully consider what your unique purpose in life is. You know, why not take time to talk to friends, to, to go, go aside and reflect on, you know, what's God put on your heart? What, what is God uniquely called you to, 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 to be uh, and to do? And, and I'd like to um, give you some resources that may help you in that. A couple of years ago, we produced a booklet called Discovering Your Destiny. There's, um, it's available on the website. A, a link will be coming up now. Um, I'd like to encourage you, you know, take time to look at that resource. It will help you begin to sort of discern how God has wired you and it may help you um, in designing a sense of your own life purpose statement. I'd also like to recommend a couple of great books. Firstly, there's a, there's a classic from many years ago by Pastor Rick Warren called The Purpose Driven Life. It's a 40-day study. You might just want to um, go through it during this summer season. It's a great kind of book on gen God's general purposes for our lives. And then specifically on the whole thing of a life purpose statement that, um, that I think might really help you is Living the Life You Were Meant to Live by Tom Patterson. So I hope you'll find those helpful. But right now, I'd like to lead us in a prayer. And in order to get yourself ready, you might just want to consciously sort of 
be opening up your heart and your life to the Lord. And, and, and as we pray together, expect that the Holy Spirit is going to come on you afresh. If you don't know the Lord, you've never um, made him your Lord and you, you want to start on this life of uh, living out your purpose and your destiny. As I pray, you might want to open your heart too. So let's all pray together. Wherever you're at, uh, wherever you're watching, I'd like to invite you to join with me as I pray. So I'll pray and then you pray after me. Father God, I thank you that you have a special purpose for me. I surrender to you. Forgive me for my selfishness and redeem my mistakes. Come into my life, fill me with your spirit and guide me into the destiny that you have planned for me. In Jesus' name, amen. And now I'd just like to pray for you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on every person watching and listening right now. Lord, that they would know, Lord, that you've called them to purpose and destiny. I pray you'd speak to them clearly and you'd reveal your purposes to them today and throughout this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this series. I hope this has been helpful today. We're going to conclude by responding to the Lord in our final song.